You know, there must be a scripture that I am overlooking in the Bible where Jesus said something like, you know, when you're old and ugly and you got one foot in the grave and you got tubes running out of your body, you're in the hospital and the doctors are shaking their heads and looking over you and saying, you've got about a week to live. Uh, then go get you some religion. Call a preacher up and get that man to come by and save your soul. Now, I've never run across this scripture, but it just seems that a lot of older people live their lives. It's it's almost like there's this theory that this must be in the Bible, that this is how God wants us to do, that just wait until the end of our lives, and then we can get ourselves some religion. Well, is that what the Bible, does the Bible speak to the subject of just waiting around? What are you waiting for? Does the Bible speak to this subject? Well, actually it does. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, it says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when you shall say, I have no pleasure in them. Notice that. Remember your Creator when you are young. Not when you're some 90-year-old fossil with one foot in the grave. It seems that the Bible tells us just the opposite of the way many people are living their lives, waiting for something, waiting to get old, and then they'll check in with the Lord and get right with the Lord, and they'll get their souls saved. No, it says, remember your Creator when you are young, and there's a reason we're told to remember our Creator when we are young. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. You know, I used to believe that getting old was a great evangelistic tool. The reason I believed that was because of, well, let me back up here. There's a scripture where Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I think it may be twofold, the meaning of that. One, if I be lifted up on a stake, the fact that people can be forgiven through Jesus Christ is important, and that's one of the ways people are drawn to Christ. The other lifting up is being lifted from the grave after Christ was, you know, Christ was in the grave three days and three nights, and then he was resurrected. Well, the fact that he was resurrected, people are drawn to that because we all want to live again. But I'm beginning to see that there's an extreme superficial, immature approach to life and death. I mean, let's face reality. If you're old and you're dying, of course you want to live forever. I mean, it's almost like a, well, I don't want to call it a selfish motive because we all have that self-preservation about us where we want to continue on. But the motive when you wait to the end of your life is not about I want to please God. It's, it's about I want to get my butt saved. That's all it's about. I mean, it's it's very selfish in that sense. It has nothing to do with wanting to please God. It's just a person just wants to live forever. I mean, tell me something I don't know. The fact that, you know, if, the, if, if, if you've got a death sentence and you know you're dying, and of course you want to live forever. I mean, I know that. I understand that. 
But is that God's objective when it comes to salvation? You know, the truth of the matter is, when it comes to salvation, we are to be saved from ourselves. We are to be saved from our sins. We are to be saved from this monster inside of us, this you know, this this evil thing that we have become, this sinner that we have become, that's what we need to be saved from. There's a little bit more to salvation than God just giving us eternal life. If that's all it was about, giving us eternal life, then why didn't God just do it from the get-go? Why didn't God just, you know, as soon as we come out, you know, just, okay, live forever? Well, the reason he didn't is because... We have to first develop something called character within the character of God inside of us before he grants us eternal life. I mean, after all, God doesn't want to spend eternity with rebels, with practicing sinners, with people who never learn from their mistakes and never overcome their sins and never overcome their addictions. Why would God want to grant that eternal life? So we can all live in misery. I mean, it wouldn't be much of a difference in the world we have now. We have a world full of sin and destruction, evil people doing evil things. And just imagine if he would just grant everybody eternal life right now at the wave of a hand. What kind of a society would it be where we would continue to do the evil things that you hear about in your news every day. And we would do it forever, for all eternity. It'd be bad news every time. Well, it's bad news every time you cut on the TV. But imagine bad news forever, for all eternity. Now, somewhere along the way, we got to change. And my question today is, what are you waiting for? When you're going to get your act together and get serious about changing the man or the woman in the mirror. Remember your creator while you are young. Another translation says, before the bad times come, before the years come when you say, I have wasted my life. Man, what a pitiful condition to be in, to come to the end of your life and look back and say, I've wasted my life away. You know, there was a song by Eric Carmen. Eric Carmen used to be with the group, uh, the Raspberries. And later in life, he wrote a song entitled All By Myself. And the word said, when I was young, I never needed anyone. And making love was just for fun. Those days are gone. And then the course of the song says, all by myself. Don't want to live. Don't want to be all by myself. And it's a song about... A man who has come to his senses, maybe much too late in life, who realized that these relationships, these sexual relationships, were were nothing more than genital bonding and that real love never really existed. And now he's lonely and he would like to know what real love is all about and, and in his older years have someone to truly love. But he's never experienced real love because of his... Uh, behaviors that set up earlier in life. When we talk about, okay, wasting one's life away, we're talking about really coming to the point where you realize what real salvation is. Real salvation, you know, is realizing, okay, I am a monster. I have totally messed up my life and I need to be saved from myself. I've been making bad decisions all my life. My life doesn't work, and here's the results of it. This is the results of it. I I don't even know how to love someone. Okay, that person needs salvation badly. And I'm talking about real salvation. 
not the kind of stuff that you hear about where you go down to the altar and you give your hand to the preacher and your heart to the Lord and you just, I'm not talking about just acceptance. I'm talking about where God, through his spirit, where you receive God's spiritual DNA and total transformation. This is what I'm talking about. But it's sad that a lot of people fit into this category where they come to their end of their life and they look back on their life and they say, man, I have totally messed up my life. I have wasted my life. And therefore, the Bible says, remember your creator while you are young. You know, life has a tendency to wear us down, to grind us down. And as you get older, you know, things like hardening of the arteries, it's just a natural, you know, process that takes place with the aging of the body. But that is not the only thing that hardens as you get older. I tell you, you ever heard the expression, that person is set in his ways, that person can't change, will not change, or they think of certain things, you know, often it's referred to as to an older person that that person is set in their ways. Well, there is a hardening of the heart and a person comes to a point where you know, even if they want it to change, they probably could not change. Now, the Bible warns about this issue, this this critical point here in Hebrews 3 and verse 13. It says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, this is the nature of sin. It is a hardening process. The more you practice sin, the more you live in sin, the more you do those things that are not convenient or that are wrong or or just maybe maybe you don't even know this thing that you're doing is wrong. A lot of people fit into that category. They're do, they're they're going through behavior patterns. They've been practicing the same behavior patterns over and over and over. It's like insanity, you know, what 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 do you call a person who keeps doing the same thing, getting the same results? You know, insanity is doing the same same thing over and over expecting a different result every time but you're not going to get a different result you're going to get the same result results because you're doing the exact same thing over and over and over again but you're expecting things to change well no things will never change until you change now my point is with the aging process you can get to a point where you no longer have the desire to change. So we're asking, okay, what are you waiting for? At what moment will you begin this process of change? Again, exhort one another daily while it is called today. In other words, today is the day. Lest you, any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. You know, that is the nature of sin, that we just get to a point where it's sort of like concrete. You know, the concrete just sets up, and that's what we are. And we at, we come to a point, because we have put this off for so long, we didn't listen to the convictions earlier in life, and we become hardened. Now, the thing to understand is this. Real salvation is the total transformation of the character of a man. God wants to totally transform that individual into something completely different. In other words, what you end up with is something totally different than what you started out with. Total transformation. And here's the thing. If you never change, why would God want to grant you eternal life? Now, I'm convinced when we get old, all we're concerned about is living forever. But we're really not concerned about what it is that God wants. 
So the question is, if you never change, if the character of a man never changes, why would God want to grant a person like that eternal life? Have you ever been to a funeral where, and have you ever noticed that no one is ever preached into hell? I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral where the guy was preached into hell. So it's like, okay, everybody's saved, or that's the illusion that everybody is saved. But have you ever been to a funeral and you knew the person lying in that casket now maybe the preacher didn't know and maybe there's others there that didn't really know the person but you knew the person and you're thinking to yourself as this preacher preaches him into heaven you're sort of thinking to yourself i hope that jackass doesn't make it to heaven because if he's in heaven it's not going to be much of a heaven because of the character of the man now you're not going to tell the family members that you're not going to walk by and shake preacher's hand or shake the family member's hand and say i hope that you know person doesn't make it to heaven no you're gonna give your you know your i'm sorry and all that stuff and that's well and good and you should but i'm just saying there is honesty here sometimes there is honesty and we know okay this person what we're questioning is this the character of that individual was really, really bad. He, you know, was not a Christian at all. His character has never had never been transformed. And he may have been an evil person, you know, whatever, did a lot of bad things. But the question is, well, when does that person change? When does that person change? Now, my point is this. Uh, when God calls an individual... Today is the day that you change. You, It's a process. You enter into what is called the salvation room process, and it is a process that begins at baptism and it ends the day of your death where God is totally transforming the individual. Now, my question is this. Do you think you're going to start this transforma- transformation process when you're 90 years old and one foot in the grave? Well, of course not. It, it doesn't work like that. It cannot work like that. It takes time to transform the character of a man. And this is not something that you do on your own, by the way. This is done through the leadership of God's Holy Spirit, God's spiritual DNA that a person receives at baptism. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, it tells us something that is very important. It says, for for which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed but day by day. Now, this is something that is going on with every individual that's ever lived and existed. The outward man is perishing. You look in the mirror and you realize I've got more wrinkles, less hair. Uh, you know, I'm getting old and ugly and, and whatever. But your body is breaking down. You can't. It's the aging process. There's nothing you can do about that. That's just the way God created it, created us. I don't care how many vitamins you take. I don't care how much of an exercise program that you have. You are going to die. I went to a, <coughs> excuse me, I went to a chip program one time and. They were all about health and walking, and it was a great program, and and I'm not knocking the program, but it was almost as if these people didn't realize, regardless of how well I maintain this physical body, it is going to die. It you That is inevitable. You can't you know, eliminate the dying process. It is appointed unto all men to die once. So this physical death, that is. Now, but it says, for which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, that's conditional. The inward man being renewed day by day 
The condition is if you have the Spirit of God. If you have God's spiritual DNA on the inside of you, this is a true statement. The inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, the question is why? Why is that inward man being renewed? Well, it's about the character-building process. It's about what God is after, not what we're necessarily. All we're after is I want to live forever. Okay, when I'm old and gray and tubes running out of my body and the doctor says you're going to die, I want to live forever. Okay, I understand that. But, But God's agenda is that the inward man be renewed day by day. You know, I remember a song by the Bee Gees, uh, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? A very spiritual song, I think, you know, because it's the words to it say, say you know, I can remember younger days when living for myself was everything a man would want to be. I could never see tomorrow. No one ever told me about the sorrows. And then it goes through you know, how do you mend a broken heart? How do you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? There are questions that we cannot answer in life because we don't have the answers to them. But again, it's a song about screwing up your life, making a mess of your life. And what's the answer? Well, there is an answer. There is an answer, and that is surrender, unconditional surrender to God, and receiving God's spiritual DNA that transforms a person's life. That is the answer. Now, I think there is, this is important to mention here, that there is a window of opportunity, a window of opportunity, and we don't want to put that off forever. That window is not open year-round. That window is not open indefinitely. And the illusion that, well, I'll check in with the Lord in my golden years, I'm not sure why they call them, call them golden years. There's nothing golden about getting old. What idiot came up with that? I do not know. But it's sort of like, okay, in my golden years, after I've lived my life for myself, I will check in with the Lord. Well, you know, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Don't play that. God doesn't play games. Why would we think God plays games? I mean, why? You know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, God, I know you want me. I know you, I know you want me to repent and all that, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to play this little game of life with you, and then I'll check in in my golden years. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, I just thought the sinner's prayer, I could just, just say this sinner's prayer when I'm old. You know, I wish it was that easy. I, I don't know where you got that concept that it, that you could do that, but I wish it was just that easy. That's all you had to do is just say at the end of your life, say a sinner's prayer. You know, the Bible could be simplified. It could be, the whole Bible could be written on one page. And if just a few words, when you're old and ugly, just accept Jesus into your heart. And that, that would be it. I mean, it'd be nothing more. One page Bible. But it's not that simple. The Bible talks about the character of a man. Transformation is what the Bible is all about. That's the reason God's Spirit exists, is to transform the heart. Now, there's all kinds of verses that talk about the urgency of not waiting. We're talking about what are you waiting for. There's all kinds of verses that talk about a sense of urgency. You know, Psalms 14 verse 2 says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and to seek God. You know, okay, God's looking down and he's wondering, is there anyone that seeks me now? Not not when you're on death row or anything, but now. What is God looking for? Deathbed repentance? No, that's not what God's look, looking for. God is looking down and he's wondering, are, are, are there any that 
tries to understand me now and to seek me now. Psalms 32 and verse 6, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when you may be found. Again, there is this window of opportunity. You know, the space shuttle, when it reenters the Earth's atmosphere, there's a window of opportunity for them to do that. And that window does not exist forever. It's just a small little window of opportunity. You know, that calling of God starts with a window of opportunity. The Spirit of God moves us, convicts us of our sins, and ex- and God expects a response in return. So my question is, what are you waiting for? What are you wait- waiting for? You know, Jesus' concept of salvation was totally different than what you're hearing at least at church or what you're hearing today. Because sort of what you hear today is, well, just invite Jesus into your heart. There, you know, there's nothing to do. Just It's just a matter of acceptance. And once you've done that, not much changes after you've done that. But Jesus, with Jesus' ministry, there was a sense of urgency. You know, he said things like, no man having set his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, he said things like, forsake all and follow me. And he said fascinating statements like let the dead bury the dead and you know when i think about it jesus concept of salvation was really about character building the character of a man because jesus would say look if you so much as look at a woman to undress her in your mind you're guilty of committing adultery he he would say things like if you have anger in your heart you're guilty of murder so it seems to me that christ was very much concerned about the character building process and the way a man is not just merely that he's accepted you know god into his heart or something like that but but the what the true individual really is you know matthew 12 and verse 35 says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things now we're dealing with two totally opposites here good things and bad things what kind of a person are you And do you look at things in your life and realize, man, I need to change some things about me, but I really don't have the, the, the power to do so. And in some cases, I don't even have the desire. And that is another point. You know, I talked about getting old and not, no longer having the desire. We know one of the things that the Spirit of God does is that it creates that desire within you. It can renew a desire within you. I mean, I just want you to think about, you know, coming to this point where you really turn over a new leaf, you really begin a total transformation process. I mean, it really is a breath of fresh air. And it's something that I think a lot of people need. It's, It's a wonderful thing to go down in the waters of baptism and realize I am totally forgiven of all of my mistakes, all of my sins. And this is a new beginning for me. It's a wonderful experience. It's 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 a it's precious, really. And, and the Bible talks about the angels in heaven rejoicing when it, when this because one sinner repents. Yeah, maybe it's such a rare thing is the reason the angels rejoice. I don't know. And it's like they're having a party in heaven because this one sinner, this one rotten sinner, repents and turns to God and begins this process of total transformation. You know, there was a song by Simon and Garfunkel entitled Slip Sliding Away. And toward the end of that song, it says, you know, the nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away. But at the end of the song, it it says, 
that we believe that we're gliding down the highway when in fact we're just slip sliding away. And it sort of describes how most people live their lives that, you know, we're just sort of unaware that our lives are just slip sliding away. And we just, I don't know if we're in control or life is in control. And we're sort of like puppets on a string just going through the motion. But it doesn't need to be that way. If anything, God's spirit, the leadership of your of God's spirit needs to be in control of your life in order for your life to work. Now, the question we're dealing with in this program is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now, in Galatians 5 and verse 5, there's a scripture that says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, there is an illusion, I think, that a lot of people live under. And the illusion is this. Well, I'll wait until I'm old and I'll give my heart to the Lord. You know, God is just sort of going to wave a magic wand over me. Or maybe at the resurrection, I will be given, you know, righteousness at the resurrection with no effort on my part, no transformation process. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about this concept that God could just make it all right maybe at his return or when he resurrects the dead. We've lived our lives for ourselves, and at the end of our life, we accept Jesus into our heart right before we kick the bucket, and God just gives us righteousness at the resurrection. Now, the problem with this theory is this. God could have just given you righteousness from the get-go. I mean, he really could have. The point I'm, I'm trying to make is that It's not an issue of just God giving you something. It is a process. Righteousness is a process, one where you enter the salvation room process. It begins the day of your calling when you accept Christ as your personal Savior, and it ends at the end of your life, this process. There is a process of overcoming, of transformation, of putting Christ in, of putting sin out. All of this is a process. So it's not just an issue of God giving you something. It's an issue of you working alongside of God's Spirit together as this transformation process takes place. You know, you were born incomplete, lacking something. And I think this is, if if people could realize this, that we all come into the world incomplete. We don't have, we're, we're missing something. And I think most people live their lives. I mean, I know I recognize this at a young age when I was a teenager. I went to a party and just, I'm not much of a people person, so I sort of got off by myself and was just watching what everybody was doing. And people were getting drunk and people were jumping in the pool and people were having a good time. But I just sort of uh, evaluated it all and said, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. I realized at a young age that I was missing something. And the point is, we come into this world missing something. We are incomplete. We are not whole. We're only half of what we're supposed to be. And we, you know, with that half, we try to figure things out for ourselves. We try to make our lives work. And we make mistakes, and we never seem to get it that what I am missing is God's part, God's spiritual DNA that unites with your spirit at baptism when you repent of your sins, when you accept Christ as your personal Savior. That's what we're missing. That's the other half. God never expected you to go through your entire life incomplete, 
missing the spirit of God. He just didn't. And I I wish churches, and I wish this was better understood, I wish people in general uh, understood this, that this was something that we could teach to our children, that you are incomplete. You are missing the spirit of God. And there is going to come a point in your life, child, when you need to receive the spirit of God to have that leadership in your life. You know, it's amazing. Our children, they go off to they join the military, they graduate from college, they start a new life, and they, they do all these things, and they don't realize, okay, I'm, I need, the, the greatest thing that I need is God's Spirit in my life. Before I move away, move away from home, what I need is the Spirit of God dwelling inside of me that will help me make these decisions, that will help me choose the right mate, that will help protect me as I go off to join the military or or whatever venture in life that I choose, what I need more than anything else is the Spirit of God, the leadership of God's Spirit in my life. That's what I need more than anything else. It's a shame that we don't learn this at a younger age. And it's just as much a shame that people come to the end of their lives thinking, well, I'm just going to, now that I'm at the end of my life, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord and presto, change I'm going to be saved. You know? That's an illusion. It is an illusion. Real salvation is about the character-building process. And you can't wait until you're old and ugly to start this process. You can't come to the end of your life and think, oh, I'm just going to say the sinner's prayer, and God is going to give me total righteousness. No, God could have done that if it's just a matter of God giving you total righteousness. He could have done that from the get-go, but we have our part in the process. Well, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Be sure and check out the scripture references on at the website under the podcast tab. The website is isthatreallyinthebible.net, and we'll talk next time.